Well, good morning. Everybody doing all right? Warm enough for you this morning? Yeah, good. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now uh, from an off-site campus or uh, one of the venues here at Long Point or on the internet. We're uh, glad that you guys are along too. I, uh, this morning I was listening to one of the weather forecasters moaning about the fact that uh, one of the days this week it's supposed to get all the way up to 48. And I'm thinking, it's winter, people. Come on. Most of the world would love to have our issues, huh? You shouldn't come out and yell at the people when you get started. I'd, I'd love being your pastor, okay? Just a little irritated. So how many of you, how many of you, um, how many of you really hate being deceived? Anybody? I mean, nothing like deception, you know, somebody uh, leads you on that this is the case, whatever it happens to be, and, and you kind of walk in that kind of knowledge, and then boom, all of a sudden you figure out, I'm deceived. I hate that. I hate that worse than anything. I'm going I'm to talk to you about that a little bit uh, today in uh, just how not to be deceived, because I think a lot of us uh, are deceived or can be deceived in the area that I'm going to be talking about. Before I do, let me tell you a story. We, uh, a few years ago, we took our staff uh, to uh, Blackbeard's Cove. Anybody been to Blackbeard's Cove? It's kind of a kid's play area uh, out here in Mount Pleasant, and there's family in the church that owns it, and they let us have the whole thing one day, and we had a blast. Took the staff out, uh, no kids, just adults, you know, one of those kind of deals, and I uh, went, went, went okay for a while. Um, how much trouble can you get in with putt-putt golf, you know? But then we got into the go-karts, and uh, I'm not going to say much other than uh, Sam Lesky, uh, who is the pastor of the Dream Center, has issues, okay? He has issues. <laughs> so so the, then where it really got wild was at the arcade area. You know what an arcade is, you know? That's where you play all these games, and the goal of the games is what? Win what? Tickets. Yes, tickets. Now, here's what would happen: uh, is is you would if you won, you got you know so many so many t- like there's some right there. You got so many tickets, and uh, so what was happening is, especially in the game where you have a wooden ball and you roll it. Is that ski ball? You roll it up, it goes into a hole, and it starts chugging tickets out of the deal. And we had, some of your pastors, guys, were stealing tickets. They were, <laughs> so we'd be rolling and they'd grab the tickets and steal. Now, why would they do that? Why? Why would somebody steal tickets? Because these tickets can be turned into prizes that change your life, that change your life. In fact, we, we had our team dummy up a board like what they, they have out there, you know, and um, for like $10 worth of tickets, you could buy it like these right here. These, uh, these, are, um, these are like hollowed plastic frogs made in China. I don't know why you would want one of these, but they were stealing tickets so that they... They could get these frogs. Here, here you go. Oh, yeah, don't fight over them, okay? There we go. And then if, then if you had more tickets, let's say about $15 worth of tickets, you could get these. These are these balls that bounce really high. <laughs> That's right. That's right. 
Let me talk about them for a minute. No. There's another restaurant not very far from here that another family church owns, and they have these uh, where you put a quarter in and you twist it in order to get one of these, you know, which are these probably cost a half a cent to manufacture. And I'll take my kids there. Papa, do you have quarters? You know, I try to teach them. I'm tight. And, you know, I try to teach them value of money and whatever. Here, here you go. Here you go. But anyway, whoa. About, boom. There we go. Be careful. Don't want anybody injured. Oh, there they come. Whoa. Right in the communion dish. Yeah, okay. But if you have a lot of tickets, like, like if you get just a roll, I mean, you just get a bunch of tickets, like you can go and you can get really nice stuff that are just life-changing. Like right up here, we've got uh, a Republican with, that you can buy with uh, pink ears. And uh, this one right here, oh, panda, uh, nothing like a panda, huh? Get a picture of this on Instagram. You'll get a lot of likes, okay? It's kind of like a kitten. And so um, this probably costs no more than $300 worth of worth of tickets. And so that's, we had fun. But here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal is what happens is, is when you grow, grow up, you, 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 you think if I can get enough tickets, I can buy things that will make me happy and secure the rest of my life. And uh, now the tickets change to these right here. You get rolls of these and these have pictures of dead presidents and congressman and stuff on them, and you go, wow, if I could get enough of these, I'll go to the prize table, and I'll buy, you know, like a, a, a bigger car or, you know, what, what, but it's kind of the same deal. Would you agree with that? And here's the problem, is that wealth in and of itself is deceitful. It's deceitful. Jesus told a parable one time about people that just normal uh, folks that doing fine in life, spiritually and in every other way, and, um, and the deceitfulness of wealth can choke out the work of God in their life. They can be deceived by wealth, and it can choke out the word of God. How's, how is wealth deceitful? Because it promises things it doesn't deliver. It promises, you know, happiness. If you have more tickets, then you'll be happier. Well, that's not necessarily so. It promises security. Have more tickets and you'll be more secure. And again, not necessarily the case. It, it promises all kinds of things, well-being. And the truth is only God can deliver those things. And so as your pastor who loves you, I think that a lot of us, probably most of us, are deceived. And you don't want to be deceived. And so today I want to unmask the deception. I want you to leave here with a clear understanding of money's power uh, to deceive. We're in a series, How to Be Rich, every day. Somebody's going to tell you how to get rich, and that's not what this series is. This series is how to be rich. Because there will come a time where, when you'll cross a line from uh, not rich to rich, and you won't know how to act. And so what I want to do with this series is to teach you how to, how to be rich, how to how to, how to act rich. All of us know people who, rich people who don't do rich well. And you don't want to be like that. And so um, what, what we want to do is we want to, we want to do it well. If you weren't here last week, I want to challenge you to go online and listen uh, to last week. Last week I explained 
uh, where the series came from, that we ripped off parts of it from different people, and it's so much better the way that we're doing it. And we just went through all of that. And uh, so you'll want to know that. But you'll also want to know, last week we spent the whole time convincing you that you are rich. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you would say financially that you're rich? How many of you would say that? We didn't get it last week. Um, that, that was kind of like last week too. Remember last week we talked about the fact that, oh, I'll have to do a little review, I guess. We talked about the fact that <laughs> nobody thinks that they're rich. Nobody wants to answer that question. I'm rich, but you should because you are rich. Almost all of you are rich. Uh, we, we talked about the fact that Gallup did a survey and surveyed different levels of people. And at every level, they didn't think they were rich. They thought somebody with twice as much as them were rich. And here was the problem is that um, nobody feels rich. And if you don't feel rich, then you spend your life trying to get rich. And you don't know how to act rich. And because you don't feel rich, you don't know how to be rich. And so what we want to do is we want to teach you how to be rich, how to act uh, like you should act if you were rich. And we also looked at the fact that in the, in the whole world, if we were going to look at the world, that um, I think the number was about $37,000. If you make $37,000 a year, that you're in the top 4%. If you make $45,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of the entire world. So most of us, most of us are rich, okay? So we... We, we are rich, and the problem is if we don't admit that we're rich, then we, there are scriptures that are written um, that are specifically to rich people, and what you'll do is you'll read that scripture and say, well, I know somebody that's rich, they really need that scripture, and you need the scripture. So you just kind of skim over it, and so, and so we want to, that's what we're, we're doing. And in um, 1 Timothy chapter uh, 6, Paul writes a scripture uh, to people who are rich, and um, that, and it gives a warning, and so and so you you need that. And so here, here's what I want to do. What if you were me today? I just want to. What if you had to stand in front of you know there'll be an excess of ten, twelve, thirteen thousand people that'll be listening in a building somewhere uh, to the, this message today, and and you've got a whole you've got that many rich people that are listening to you. What do you tell them? What's the one thing if you say, okay, here's one thing. There's one thing you need to know if you're going to be rich the right way. Not get rich, remember. It's not what this is about. So how do you be rich? How do you act rich? What's the one thing you would tell them? I bet you'd be surprised. Look at, look at the next scripture. It's on your outline sheet, and it's, it'll be right here. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, one of his young pastors. He says, command those who are rich... In this present world, so that's kind of the, it's, it's not am I as rich as my neighbor, it's the, the world, okay. So command people who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. He says the one thing that you need to tell rich people, like the rich people who are listening to me here, says you need to command them, don't be arrogant. Don't be arrogant. That's the one thing. Don't be arrogant. So, so. You know, it's hard to see in the mirror that, but you can see it in other people. What I want to be is I want to be a mirror to you today. I love you as a pastor. I don't want you to be deceived. So I want to talk to you about some of these things just real frankly. And let me ask you this. How do rich people act arrogantly? How do rich, he says there's a tendency in rich people to act arrogant. How do they do that? Here's a couple of ideas. First, they tend to think they're smarter than other people. 
If you, have, if you, if you cross the rich line, then you tend to look down at those who you, you don't see as rich or as rich as you. We just act arrogant. Rich people, people have more than they need. That's how we define it. They tend to think their IQ goes up with their income, and it's not true. Getting more tickets doesn't raise your IQ. It, just, it really doesn't. Um, if you want an example of that, most BMWs in the Charleston County are leased. Did you know that? It's not real smart. Okay, not real smart. Okay, so here we go. Ecclesiastes 9.11. <laughs> Who's Ecclesiastes? That's, that's a guy, that's Solomon. He's at the end of his life. He's just sitting around thinking. He's the wisest guy who ever lived. He's sitting around thinking, okay, what do I think? What do I think about life? And here's what he says. I have observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. And the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. Okay? Agree with that. The wise sometimes go hungry, and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. Anybody know? Anybody like that? Okay? It says, and those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. Look at his conclusion. It's all decided by chance. I don't like that. By being in the right place at the right time. That wouldn't sell politically. But that's what he says. He says, you know what? And here's how it plays out here. You guys are rich. Whether you'll admit it or not, almost all of you are rich. And uh, in, in, in this present world, in this present world. And uh, the reason you're rich has less to do with how smart you are and more to do with where you were born, who you were born to, and the opportunities that you had. Now, it's important that you take the opportunities and do well with them. I mean, there's other teaching Jesus teaches about, you know, people that had one talent, two talent, five talents, and one talent person buried his, and, you know, two talent person doubled theirs, and a five talent person doubled theirs. And, and the whole parable is about the importance of doing the best with what you have, Okay. So there's an importance there. But to be honest with you, what you start with or even sometimes what you have depends on who you married, um, where you live, and, you know, the opportunities that you have. It's not because you're smarter than anybody else. And so if you're rich, which most of us are, don't be arrogant. Don't, don't like, feel like that you're smarter than other people because you, really, you're not, okay? Um, telling you how to act rich, how to be rich. Second, second thing is arrogant people tend to think that they're more important than other people. Arrogant rich people, people who are rich, wealthy, and they're arrogant, they, they tend not only to think that they're, they're smarter, but they're more important. Watch how they treat waiters and waitresses, okay? I've been out with some people who have really significant resources who are great, but I've been out with others that are just arrogant about it. I mean, you're in a, they just kind of look down at, on people because they feel like that whatever line of business they're in is just is not up to the line of business that they're in. And that's not, I'm telling you what, I'm just giving you a warning here. That's not smart in the food industry because <laughs> people do bad things and, uh, to arrogant people. So you don't want to do that. Be a big tipper and be humble when you go out to eat, Okay. That'll, that'll help you today. Um, and we think as our income goes up, we're more important. Deep in your heart, sometimes you'll see people with less and you look down on them. You look down on them. And, uh, 
as if, you know, you go, well, we just like nicer things. Yeah, you know, you're arrogant. You're arrogant. You don't want to be arrogant. Don't be, Paul says, don't be arrogant. Look at this next verse. He says uh, in Romans, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. My mom used to say everybody's good for something, even if it's just to be a bad example. And if that's who you are, just be honest about that, okay? <laughs> but be honest in your evaluation uh, of, your, of, your, of yourself, okay? Be, be, be honest. We, we think as we get more tickets, it's a reflection of something inside of us and our identity gets blended with our money. That's not a good thing. Paul says, don't think you're more important than somebody else. Don't think you're smarter. You're not. You're just being arrogant, and that's not how to be rich. Don't be arrogant. Look at this next verse. He says to Timothy, he says, nor, remember that at first he said, uh, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Then he says, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, God's not against wealth. God's not against wealthy people. God created it all for goodness sakes. You know, he's, 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 just, he's just not. That's not the idea at all. It's okay to have a big role. In fact, I hope some of you get bigger and bigger roles and that you get better and better at enjoying it and learn to be generous so God can trust you with more. But don't define yourself by your role. Don't put your hope in your role, okay? Don't do it and look to it for security and identity because it'll keep moving around and you'll keep wanting more. God doesn't want you to trust your wealth. In fact, we've got a a phrase, a statement. Uh, Last week, if you were here, we said this one. Let's just say the first half of it. We just said that part. Let's say it out loud together. God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. That's why I asked you, raise your hand if you're rich. You are. God, if if, if you have more than you need, then you're, you're rich. God has blessed me with more than I need. But here's this week's part. Let's read this out loud. But I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. Let's say that again, now that we kind of got it, and let's kind of own it a little bit. God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. But I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. That's how to be rich, okay? That's how to be rich. And the truth is, all of your life, you're going to fight a constant battle over who you're going to trust. Are you going to trust God or are you going to trust money? In fact, if you're a new believer, um, the number one competitor for your heart will not be the devil. Well, the devil made me do that. Well, I believe there is a force, a devil, an enemy that is opposed to good in the world. But that's not your battle. Your battle is going to be money. It's going to be God or it's going to be money. Now, you say, that's, how do you know that? Well, I'm not asking you just to believe me. A couple years ago, we did an interview with the big guy. Take a look at this. You make sure you get yeah, a little, I get shiny. That's good. Hey, you, uh, you always do just makeup. I mean, you could hang out. We're ready for you. No. 
Hey, man. Hey. Hey, I appreciate you doing this, being willing to sit down and talk with me. Oh, whatever. I just want to help. I mean, you get so much sappy stuff up on your screens all the time, I figure this stuff. I help you out. So what are we up to? Actually, I just wanted to get your thoughts on money. Mo Dude, I came all the way down here and all you want to talk about is all right, well, we could just talk, right? I mean, you're not gonna roll on this or anything yet, right? Yeah, well, money takes over, right? I mean, money is, is it's all consumed. Yo, you know what? Can I borrow your, um, whatever, the this? book? Yeah, can I? Sure. Uh, okay, okay. Can you imagine if this hit YouTube or something? Matthew 6.24. See, it says here that no man can serve God and money. Dude, take that. Thanks. God's not saying that you can't serve God and, and me. He's saying you can't serve God and money. You, you know, you, you gotta get the new car. You gotta get a new boat. Or, oh, oh, this is actually my favorite right now. He's like, you gotta get a new digital television or you're not gonna be able to watch TV come February. Dude, that's mine, dude. <laughs> so, so what do you think about credit cards? I love them, yeah. Nothing wrong with them. No. Do you pay yours off? Yeah, I mean you get you get another one and you pay that off and you get like six months in no interest. It's the corporate ladder, right? You're always working because you want more money. You need a better job because you want more money. I mean, what do, what do couples fight about more than anything else? Money, money, money! It's always dividing somebody because when you're serving money, that's all you can think about. You really want to get people squirming? You drop the stock market eight, nine hundred points in a day. Did you do that? Well, I'm not. I'm not saying I did that, but I mean, come on, that that works. Another scripture, First uh, Timothy six ten. I don't. I don't. No, no, no. I don't want to touch it again. But if you would, you want me to read you, it? Yeah. First Timothy six ten. Okay. Looks like it says, "For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith." and pierce themselves with many griefs. That's me, man. You can't pay for that kind of advertising. The root of all evil. Root. <laughs> I think we've got everything we need. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. We're recording. This was supposed to be off the rec. Dude, that is so uncool. Come on, man. Okay, you know what? You'll be hearing from, from all of my friends. Every attorney in the world, they'll be calling you. <laughs> Shut that off. Yeah, I'm sorry uh, for all the attorneys, but he said it. Okay, I, I didn't say it. So for most of us, for most of us, money will be the number one competitor for your heart. And some of you are saying right now, Greg, I know people who love money. And it's not pretty, but I don't. Really. Okay, so what I want to do with like 10 minutes we have left is I, I want to go through four quick indicators to know if you're putting your hope in your wealth or if you put your hope in God. Okay, these are four statements. I want you to put your heart up next to it, be honest, and say, is, do I have a problem with any of this? Here's number one. Um, what, what gives you, what statement creates most anxiety in you? There is no God or there is no money in the bank. Which would be like, whoa, that would really creep me out. There is no God, or is there, there is no money 
in the bank. See, if I'm leaning hard into my, into my money, into my roll of tickets, and I find out there's no God, it's okay. I'm good. I'm good. But if I'm leaning hard into God and I find out there's no God, then that's a problem. Or if I'm leaning hard into God and I find out I've got no money, it's a problem, but it's not as big a problem because I've, I've got God. And God is the source of, of everything. I'm leaning into God. God is the, is the, is the giver, so I'm okay. So uh, which one creates most anxiety? Is, is there is no God or there's no money in the bank? Here's the second one. Do you have money in the bank but no peace in your heart? Do you have money in the bank but no peace in your heart? See, how much peace can you squeeze out of your roll? None. Doesn't work that way. Have you ever seen people who are absolutely dirt poor, but they had peace? You ever seen anybody like that? Have you ever seen anybody that was fabulously rich and didn't have peace? There's several reality shows about that, I think. You know, um, it's just, it, it, they're taking drugs to go to sleep and drugs to get up and they can't get along with anybody. Proverbs talks about that. Proverbs 15 and verse 16 says, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a little than great wealth with turmoil. Now you, you are rich, whether you would raise your hand or not, you're rich. Most rich people I know have a lot of turmoil. They just do. Many of you have more money than your parents and you're, you're miserable. Some of you have crossed the rich line and the roll of tickets gets bigger but you're still inside. There's no peace. There's no peace. You have stress all the time. People that make you know, a fraction of what you look at you and you're stressed. You buy more and more toys. You're stressed. You go to the ticket counter and it still doesn't do anything. For a little while it's okay, but they're still, you're just still stressed out. You've been deceived. You've been deceived because you can't serve both God and money. So you can have money in the bank, but no peace. Let me ask you a third question. Do you secretly feel that if you had just a little more money, that you would feel a whole lot better about life? We don't tell people this, but honestly, inside, if I had a little, if, if I had, if I could get a raise, or if I could get, you know, make this much more, then I would feel better about life. Do you secretly feel that way? See, the problem is that people think if I had more money, it'd solve most of my problems. When you think like that, you're under the influence of money. Money won't keep your kids off drugs. Money won't heal your best friend from cancer. Money won't make your marriage better. In fact, you're deceived. Look at the next verse. Ecclesiastes again. Um, it says, whoever loves money, and this guy had more money than anybody, he said, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Do you, do you see a reflection of you in there at all? See, I'm, this, is kind of, this reflects right here, and I'm seeing a reflection of me because I struggle with this. I struggle with it in several areas. This is probably the biggest one for me. Let me give you an example. I have an iPhone. Anybody else have an iPhone? I have an iPhone. For the most part, I like it. I really do. I, I really like it. Uh, Siri is one of my best friends. 
And uh, it's just a good thing until I started hearing about the iPhone 6 Plus. <laughs> and friends that have them and they begin to tweet about them. The other day I was walking downtown Charleston and I walked by this big glass building and there was like a gravitational, was the Apple store, gravitational pull in there. Now, the Apple store doesn't have that much different stuff, it just has a lot of the same stuff, okay? And I thought, well, I'll just shop in here for Christmas ideas <laughs> for myself because have you know that if you select your own gifts, you're never disappointed? Anybody, anybody understand that? Okay, a lot of, a lot of, yeah, okay, on that. And so I go in there, and, and I see this. See, this is my phone right here. It's just four inches. Four inches. You need more. You need more. And this one, this iPhone 6, is 4.7 inches. But look at this one. This bad boy is five and a half inches. Now, it looks like you're answering a phone book when you <laughs> have it like this, but still I think, man, I want one of those. And so I went to where they were, and they've got them, like, displayed. They're beautiful. And you can pick them up and feel them. So I was feeling it. And it actually, it worked, and I was on the Internet looking up sermon stuff and all that kind of thing. And, and, I, and I put it down, and I went somewhere else, and I came right back. It was like, I did this three times. Now, I resisted. I'm not going to resist, and don't judge me when I have one. Because it will be a righteous reason. In fact, last night after I preached this sermon, my daughter, who has my old hand-me-down, I think it's about an iPhone 3 or something, showed me her phone, and it's broken. She had dropped it, and it was all you know, shattered, and she has a lot of kids, four, I think, and, uh, and I thought, God may be speaking to me to give her <laughs> this one so I could have this one, and you say, well, wouldn't God speak to you to buy her this? No way! I'm the man of God. I need this. You know what it is? I have iPhone lust. Some of you do too. What was funny is last night, after I told this story, I had several people come to me. In fact, I took a picture of one of their phones. They said, I have this. They were so proud. This is a flip phone. This is what you punish your children with when you've got them on restriction. One guy showed me his flip phone. He said, I'm going to get a bumper sticker that says real men have flip phones. And I'm like, you're deceived, you know. But you may not have iPhone lust, but you've got another kind of lust. A money lust in some area. You need a bigger boat. You need whatever it happens to be. Because there's this gravitational pull that says, if I had one of those, I would just feel a lot better about life. If I had more tickets, I'd feel more secure. And so you get your roll of tickets, and it begins to grow, and you begin transferring trust from God to the roll. And since the roll doesn't make us feel secure, if it was a bigger roll, it would. And the tickets are deceiving us. They're deceiving us. How much do you need to make you feel secure? Uh, apparently more than you have right now. 
Okay, so it's deceitful. Wealth is deceitful. In fact, Proverbs 18 and verse 11 says, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. They imagine it. It's not true, but that's what they see their wealth as. Paul tells Timothy, tell these rich people, like the ones that are in Mount Pleasant today and wherever you happen to be, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. There will never be enough. There's one more indicator uh, that your hope is in wealth, and that's this. Does the fear of not having enough impede your ability to give generously? Does the fear of not having enough impede your ability to be a generous giver, a generous person? You hear about an opportunity to give. Like, let's, let's say to the church. You love this church. You love God. You love this church. You hear us talk every once in a while about how that what we do is uh, a bunch of us get together and we, we give 10% of our income, tithe, so that we can do the things that we feel like God wants us to do in the community and around the world. And you go, I want to do that. I, I would like to do that. I love this church and I love God. But you think there's no way because I can't do that because there's not enough role in my tickets. I don't have enough tickets. So you, you can't be generous. Or it could be you hear about somebody in need and, and you want to give. You want to do it. Then you get your checkbook out. Then you think if I, if I gave what I think that I could give, then what would happen to me? And if your trust is in God, why wouldn't you give? Because he's the source. But it's an indicator that my trust is in my tickets. The truth is the bigger the roll of tickets is, the harder it is to give generously. I told you a story last week about a really tough time that my wife and I had in life. And uh, we, we've had a lot of those. And I can remember, though, that in the toughest times, that's when it's easiest to be generous. Because, yeah, you don't have that much anyway. Let's trust God. And when you start to get, I start to get more tickets, more tickets, then I start protecting my tickets. And I, I, pretty soon I find out that my security is not in God, but it's in my tickets. It's in my tickets. And I'm trusting that. The bigger the role is, the harder it is to be generous. The more you make, the less you give. That, hey, there's studies everywhere that show that. That's not how to be rich. It's not how to be rich, see. Who controls what happens in your life? Paul, Paul talks about some poor people. This is a great scripture. These are really poor people. These are not cable TV Starbucks poor. These are really poor. And he says, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. And when I read that scripture, I want to just go, yay. Here's some people that are learning to trust God and they're, and they're generous. When you really learn to trust God, you become a generous person in everything that you do, even when you're poor. Even when you're poor, you become generous. And uh, so, so it's exciting when people obey God and not the size of your role. Satan will whisper, give when you get your student loans paid off, give when the car is paid for, give when you get the raise, Give when the house, you get the house that you want. And God says, no, why don't you give now? Because that's when you're trusting in me, in God, and not in your money. So my question, kind of at the conclusion of this, is where is your hope? 
what would it tr take to transfer your trust from your, your role to God? What would it take? Let's go back and let's repeat this. So repeat it out loud. God has blessed me with more than I need. I am rich. But I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. Okay? See, that's what I want to do. When you settle the issue of where it all came from, where the talent comes from, where the opportunity comes from, who owns it all, you won't depend on it. You'll depend on him. You know, when, when a Christian puts their hope in their tickets, in their money, in riches, it must look to God like, you know, God sees this. It must look to God like, you know, what, what it looks for a 16-year-old to be tooling around in a Mercedes. There's nothing wrong with a Mercedes, but when you see a 16-year-old, you know, I mean style and in profile and in a Mercedes, do, do you go, man, that kid must have worked really hard <laughs> to get that Mercedes. No, what do you think? It's daddy's car. Uh, that's mama's car. That's what that is. It's okay to style in that thing, but you need to know it's not your car. And when God sees us with this whole thing about wealth and riches, and he goes, that's my money. <laughs> it's, all, it's all mine. I just let you use some of it and trust you with it. It just works so much better when you understand that. So, so let's learn to be rich. Let's, let's not be arrogant. Let's not put our hope in riches. Let's put our hope in God who richly blesses us for our enjoyment. That's how to be rich. Nobody else is going to reinforce that message. That's not the message you hear on television, in the media, or anywhere else. So, so why don't you, what would be great is that confession that's on your outline sheet. Put that somewhere on your mirror or something, and every day for a couple of weeks, just make that. Just say that, and see if maybe something inside begins. Say, so I, I will not trust in my riches, but in, in you, God, who so richly provides what if we became a model of that in our families, in our communities, in the world? I think it would make a difference. Let, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your word, even the challenging parts, especially because they can make a major difference in how we respond and react and live our lives. So God, I, I just pray this morning that your kingdom would come, your will would be done in this house, that you would... Um, Encourage us where we need to be encouraged, that you would correct us where there needs to be a course correction. God, give us a heart to hear you, heart to desire you and to know you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.